0: Welcome to the Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. This podcast is devoted to helping increase your daily exposure to God's Word with a short scripture reading and brief commentary on key ideas, themes, and theology in each chapter. Now please join your host, Dave Jenkins, for today's episode. Well, welcome back to the Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. Today is January 13th, and today we're going to look at Genesis 13. As a reminder, every day I read one chapter each day, and then I offer a brief explanation of key ideas, themes, and theology briefly. My goal is to get you into God's Word for about five minutes to 20 minutes. Sometimes I go a little longer, you've noticed. Uh, Sometimes there's a lot uh, of theology to explain or things that I think are, are worthy of our consideration. So I hope that you find that helpful on the longer episodes. Uh, Today we're going to be looking at uh, Genesis 13, so let's begin our reading now of the Word of God from Genesis 13. And it says this, So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the Negev. And now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold, and he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And at that time the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. And then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right, or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar this was before the lord destroyed sodom and gomorrah and so lot chose for himself all the jordan valley and lot journeyed east and thus they separated from each other now abram settled in the land of canaan while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. And now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if if one can count the dust of the earth your offspring also can be counted arise walk through the length and the breadth of the land for i will give it to you so abraham moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at hebron and there he built an altar to the lord well in this this chapter we see that abram and lot separate Uh, Expelled from Egypt, Abram retracts his steps northward throughout the Negev back to the hill country between Bethel and Ai, where he had previously built an altar in uh, uh, chapter 12, verse 8. Competition for pasture, it soon led to strife between the herdsmen of Abraham and Lot. And when Abram magnanimously offers Lot first choice of land, Lot opts for the fertile Jordan Valley. Afterward, the Lord reaffirms that Abraham's descendants will possess all of Canaan. Now in verses 2-6, through these verses emphasize the wealth of both Abram and Lot, describing how the hill country east of Bethel is unable to sustain the livestock of both men. In verse 7, the pressure on pasture land may well have increased by the fact that the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Verse 10, The Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere. Lots experience with the effects of famine. They make his choice of the fertile Jordan Valley totally understandable. Like the Garden of of the Lord is a reference to the Garden of Eden, which was also well watered. This description of the Jordan Valley, it predates the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, which may have well adversely affected the sustainability of this area for flocks and herds. Now, the precise location of these cities is unknown, but one possibility is the plain southeast of the Dead Sea Scroll. Now, in verses 11 through 13 of this chapter, what we see is Lot's decision to settle among the cities of the valley. It brings him into the vicinity of Sodom. Lot is later found living in the city, having abandoned his tent-dwelling lifestyle. After parting company from Abraham, Lot now resides close to a city whose population is described as wicked great sinners against the Lord. Uh, verses 14 through 17 expand on genesis 12:7, and this divine speech here emphasizes not only extent the land that abraham's descendants will inherit but also how numerous they will be as a dust of the earth in verse 16 is one of the three similes used by god to illustrate the large number of offspring that abraham will have and at this stage abram still has no children in verse 18, Abraham relocates to be near Hebron, setting up his tent by the Oaks of Mamre. And since one of the allies is Mamre the Amorite in Genesis 14:13, the Oaks are probably named after him. During the Bronze Middle Age, when the patriarchs lived... Hebron was known in its day as a major settlement in the Judean hills. It covered between six and seven acres. It was heavily fortified. It contained some large public buildings. A cuneiform table was discovered there from this time period, and it indicates that Hebron was a capital city of the Canaanite kingdom. Well, despite his faithful traveling from Ur, Abraham soon left the Promised Land in order to find food in Egypt, as we see in Genesis twelve ten. While there, he trust, distrusted God by lying about his relationship with Sarah, as we see in verses 11 through 20. But God still allowed him to leave that country wealthy, even while frowning upon deception. And having escaped a potentially bad situation by the grace of God, Abraham left Egypt. In many ways, this account parallels the event the nation of Israel faced. Moses wrote Genesis as a means to emphasize Yahweh's gracious desire to liberate his people from Egyptian tyranny. And when they heard the story of Abraham leaving Egypt for Canaan, the Israelite nation would understand their calling was to do the same. Famine led Abram and Israel to enter into Egypt, and the plague sparked the exodus of each. Likewise, both left the Nile Delta with riches. In his wisdom, the Lord worked out his plan of redemption throughout the history of his people, and we often see early events in Israel's history come to symbolize even the greater events promised by God. And this helps us to interpret scripture as well. In Matthew twelve thirteen through fifteen, it tells us Jesus' own Exodus from Egypt fulfills Hosea eleven one, identifying Jesus with Israel, God's people. Now Israel was redeemed from Egypt in order to serve Yahweh as His light to the nations, as He as we see in Exodus seven sixteen. But they failed to keep that covenant. Jesus' miraculous rescue from Herod and His return from Egypt revealed that his mission was the same as Israel's, as we see in Hebrews 10:7. The big difference is Jesus did not fail, therefore he is the true Israel of God. Genesis 13:1 through 4 highlight divine providence. Abram's reason for lying to, to Pharaoh are not commendable, but God uh, enriched him despite his distrust. In like manner, we see that God often blesses us despite our sin, and he does so because he loves us. That means that we are to trust him in the midst of our trials, even if we did not earn them, for his hand is moving for the good of his glory, which is our good as well as we see in Romans 8, The story of Joseph makes that last point I just made very, very powerful. And all of those who are in Christ belong to him. And so we can therefore expect that God is moving to provide for his faithful servants just as he did under the old covenant, even if it may seem at times that God has left this world behind. If you feel trapped by difficult circumstances, you must be encouraged that if you know the Lord, you are sharing in his sufferings and thus you have the hope of eternal resurrected life. Anyone who follows business and economic news regularly knows that expansions and mergers are not always the best move in the corporate world. We've seen that in the last decade or so. Many retail chains have greatly increased the number of their stores only to find themselves closing, many of them a short time later. Bigger is not better if the increase in operating costs outpaces the revenue stream. Something similar happened to Abram's family soon after he returned to the land of Canaan from Egypt, as we see in Genesis 13.1. Abraham and his nephew Lot were dwelling in that same place, and each man's wealth was so great that the land could not support both of them, as we see in verses 5-6 through 6 of this chapter. And as a result, there was a scarcity of resources that soon provoked strife between their herdsmen, as we see in verse 7. See, the blessing of the Lord was, was twisted to contribute to this problem. Abram had his tremendous riches in the company of servants after God blessed him in Egypt, as we see in Genesis 12, 14-16. This does not mean that the Lord was a source of the argument between Abram and Lot, but it only serves to remind us that if we're not careful, we too might allow his blessing to become a source of division. That is to say, all good gifts come from the hand of the Lord. But if they become a cause for stumbling, the fault is our own, as we see in James 1, 13-17. In the final part of Genesis 13, 5-6, it's very instructive for us. In making special note of the Canaanites and the Parasites who were dwelling in the land, verse 7 says, Moses is making it clear that the scarcity of resources in the land was not due to the hand of God. Lot and Abram had to share Palestine with many other people that had been there longer and thereby occupied the most fertile areas of soil and the most abundant supplies of water. As strangers in the promised land, the disagreement between the herdsmen might even prevent the two coteries from joining for mutual defense against these pagans. Well, we see how Abram has allowed the blessing of God to create problems and even threaten his inheritance of Canaan. But as we're going to see tomorrow, the patriarch soon develops a solution, which affirms his trust in the Lord to keep his word. Let's wrap up today with a few applications. You see, if we're not careful, we can allow the good gifts of the Creator to bring uh, even difficulties into our lives. Parents who favor one child over another can provoke envy between siblings and enmity between parent and child. Likewise, when the Lord blesses us with wealth, our sinful hearts might even begin to serve the gift rather than the giver of the gift, the Lord. So the question is, how are you using your blessings from God? And take some time today to thank the Lord for His gift and strive to be equitable and charitable with your resources. Well, I want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of the Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. My name is Dave. Until tomorrow, may God bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to also like, subscribe, or follow Servants of Grace on Facebook, Instagram, X, or YouTube. We appreciate your support.